because of living through almost invisibility, like being completely invisible, I want to make sure um, as a story keeper that everybody has the opportunity to share their story because we all come from a legacy. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week we hear from great Native folks from around Minnesota, talk about their gifts and how they share them with their community. And Cole, I love getting to hang out with you every week. How's it going? (laughs) It's going great. I mean... I thought it was really funny because, you know, uh, we're recording the interview and this morning I saw a pretty awesome painting or Digital illustration, art. I would say. Digital art, yes. Uh, involving uh, your son, Marvin, my nephew, and our dad. And it was done by our uncle, Steve Primo, who we've had on the show. Could you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that, Leah? Well, it's so fun because I woke up to a Facebook message from Uncle Steve with the picture in it, and it is Super Marvin. So my child dressed up in a superhero outfit carrying his Papa Bill, <laughs> our dad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it says, don't worry, Grandpa, I'll take you home. <laughs> I don't know what, how Dad got into trouble, but the... <laughs> Artwork is wonderful. Yeah, Marvin's looking all stoic, and then uh, Dad's kind of got like a a very surprised look on his face. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it was really fun when I showed Marvin this morning because he looked at it, and at first he saw his Papa Bill. Yeah. And he laughed, and he thought it was funny. He was like, wait a second. Magnificent, Marvin, that's me. <laughs> so it was really cute to get that response and to, uh, for him to see himself in art. Yeah. I was, was very I was cute. curious how he reacted to that. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Gotta love artists. Exactly. Uh, and that brings us to uh, the point of the show today. Uh, throughout our Native Light series, we've heard from many Native artists like Steve Primo. And the guest in today's episode actually helps support, highlight, and cultivate the work of Native artists in the state, um, in addition to actually being an artist herself. So that's why I'm very excited to talk to today's guest, Gracie Horn. Gracie Horn is a Dakota and Lakota multidisciplinary artist who specializes in painting, printmaking, puppet making, photography, film, and poetry. She's also the storykeeper at Minnesota Native Artists Alliance, a Native-led initiative formed to develop, create, and protect the past, present, and future expressions of Native art. So I can't wait to ask her about all that. Hello. Hi. Hi. I was I was um, a little bit nervous. I forgot how to turn on the video. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. We have to troubleshoot things every now and then on the show, so it's all good. It's all good. All right, uh, Buju Gracie, could you um, please introduce yourself and you know where you're joining us from? I'm Betty Washday Gracie Horn Imachiapie. 
sesitoa wahpetoa oyate naku hunkpapa oyate naku um uh wahpekute oyate mitioshbe southside mini shota edwati Hello, my name is Gracie Horn. My grandmother's people are the System Wapta Nation based out of um, System, South Dakota. Uh, the Standing Rock Nation um, on my paternal side and um, Standing Rock, North Dakota and South Dakota, Wakabala, South Dakota. And my great-grandmother um, is, was from Sioux Valley, Canada. And I currently reside in Southside, Minneapolis. And I am a sto- the storyteller I guess my position is the storyteller for the Mini Shota um, Artists Native Artists Alliance. Very nice. Um, that perfectly uh, transitions to our next question, which is: You're part of the Mini Shota Native Artists Alliance. Um, before we get into your, you know, your exact role there, could you just give us a general overview of what the organization is and what it strives to do? Yeah, so we were initially kind of the brainchild of many artists. They um, had asked many different artists to participate in this discussion to kind of figure out what the community needs, um, both the whole state of Minnesota. And so we have a founders group. Um, you know, I'm just just to name a few, Rory, wake them up. Angela Two Stars, Juanita Espinoza, um, many different artists that came together and kind of advised what they wanted to be, what they wanted to see um, from this. And so that's kind of where my position came into play. And since then, we kind of still check in with that founders group. I call it the founders group. I like it's kind of not the official name, but I like to say it um, that they're the the founding artists that created this. And so pretty much since then, um, we, like our website says, we want to unify the Native arts um, across uh, Minnesota, Makoche, uh, Minnesota land, and strengthen the Native um, economy. Economy is really big for us, especially right now, um, because of COVID. There's been a lot of hits, as, and I guess I can say this from my own story. As soon as COVID hit, I was you know, let go from a job. And all my other jobs kind of stopped too because the whole point of teaching art is being around kids. So a lot of my stuff went to Zoom. So we are trying to um, make sure that we strengthen the the Native art community and Native art economy by making sure that there's more connections between the Native artists and the Native art community. And as well as advocate for um, for Native artists as well. And so a few of our projects that we started doing was um, the one of the first things that we came to deciding was that we were going to make this beautiful website that was made by Ashley Fairbanks and who's White Earth Anishinaabe. And we decided that we were going to bring more visibility by creating a catalog, an online catalog, so that people can come and view um, our directory, our online directory to see who was doing what and how to reach them, websites and everything. And I think just being a native artist professional in the cities, um, I think we don't, we take for granted kind of the labor that, that, you know, has to do with that. And one of that is that 
there are people that come in from institutions and galleries that get full-time salaries. And then they come to people like me and say, hey, I'm trying to find X, Y, and Z, the artist that does this, this, and this. And it's not like there's any reciprocal of, of that research or, you know, so, and they have all the time in the world because they have a nine to five. So I guess we thought, well, you know, it would be a lot easier if we just created a directory for people to be able to contact artists. But one of the things that we are noticing is when you do that, um, you need to have good photos because most of the grants uh, require high resolution photos, headshots and everything. So our second, one of our second things, goals that we decided to do was start offering a, a photo shoot for artists in, in Minnesota. And that was to help them get their headshots, was to help them um, get high resolution images of their artwork. So then they can either use that for e-commerce or you know, other things like a grant or, you know, their website or anything like that. So that's kind of been going really well, even though we've been working through COVID with that. And I think there's like going to be other things that we'll, we'll be doing. We started Zoom Talks and Tea, and that is interviewing um, Native artists to talk about different issues that are going on kind of in our little world. And our winter giving art box that we just launched and I think we're ending the like our last push for it to sell 50 boxes and we're like almost there at selling 50 boxes and that was to support different artists that would uh we would pay ahead of time at a good value at the value that they ask for um not a wholesale value the retail value of their of their art that would be then put into a box and be sold um, to different, you know, anybody that wants to buy Native artwork. And so it would also be a way for people to connect with artists in that way, too. And so we have a lot of things that are going on. It's a lot of different kind of gears that are going on at the same time. And I think for me, um, it's like I've been a contractor for so long. And it's mainly because I like being able to hop around different places and work for many different people. And so this kind of is like the first time that I've stayed with uh, with a group for this long. And it's been really great. Like I, you know, I think the whole point of life is to enjoy the work that you do. And I really like I love going into different communities on these in like for our photo shoots and getting to know the community and getting to know the artwork that they're doing and their stories. And, um, and yeah, and I, I just feel like super grateful for that. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So do you travel around then around Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah, we were traveling. Um, we've gone to, we've gone up to Duluth, um, wider, wider, twice and then down to Lower Sioux and um, Lower, Lower Sioux community in Morton, Minnesota, and then um, All My Relations Gallery in Minneapolis on Franklin Ave. So it's been a few different places and it's been like every place has just been a breath of fresh air. Like, honestly, it sounds so cheesy, but like every time I go there, I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted to do in life. You know, just meet these wonderful artists and see what they're doing and 
Um, and then kind of like it, when you, when you're in that position, um, it's like, I guess for us, we wanted to make sure that we are of service and that we're working for the artists. It's not the other way around. And, um, and we wanted to also make sure that we represent everybody and we're not just kind of picking and choosing or that it's a clicker or anything. It's just that we want to make sure that we are have an equal opportunity, that there's equity and that there's no sort of like, I guess for us that we want to make sure there's no ownership over artists or anything. So, um, so that's, that's been really great, you know, just being around, like going to different hotels, I guess maybe that's just me. I like to travel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. That's so fun. You're listening to Native Lights where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Gracie Horn, a Dakota and Lakota multidisciplinary artist who is the story keeper at Minnesota Native Artists Alliance. So yeah, uh, you talked about what what MNAA is, uh, and we hear that you're a story keeper at the organization. Could you talk to us about what that means and you know what you do? I guess for me, story keeper is more or less. It's I look at is it look at it like curation. You're kind of weaving a story. You're weaving everybody's. That's pretty much what a curator does. Is that there's a theme to something, and then you're interpreting what that theme is. And I guess for me as a story keeper is I'm, um, I'm doing the same, same thing. I'm almost just working for the artists and I'm making sure that their stories are heard, their narratives are heard. And I think it's most important um, because I've, you know, born and raised in Minnesota. Um, I think most of the people from my high school were super uh, probably baffled that they didn't know I was native in the first place. And now, you know, it's been in recent years that we started to talk about land recognition with the Dakota people. And so it's hilarious now because on Facebook, all my probably my classmates are saying you're Dakota. I didn't even know that. And so I guess for me, I want to make sure because of living through almost invisibility, like being completely invisible. I want to make sure um, as a story keeper that everybody has the opportunity to share their story because we all come from a legacy. As a Native artist, we come from this legacy of how we learn something. Um, most of us are, you know, 4D artists or traditional um, arts artists and they're the way they were taught to learn how to do something, it has a special story to it. So I guess for me, um, that's how I interpret it as, is that I work for artists and I make sure that they're, that they themselves tell their own stories. And you talked about, you know, invisibility and things like that. Are, are there common challenges that, you know, Native artists um, encounter when, you know, trying to get their work recognized and, uh, you know, given some exposure or giving exposure to that work and stuff like that? Um, I guess some of the challenges are, I would say they're like, they're, they're super old. So my, my aunt um, was a curator herself. She used to run one of the oldest um, art native art galleries in Minneapolis. 
And every time there's something new I'm doing, I always kind of like go back to her to see if it's been done before. And she kind of like gives me the history. And so I guess Native Arts in the first place, I feel like the one of the biggest things that challenges that we have is that just because, I mean, I do contemporary Native art, um, I create pieces um, that are in that kind of field of contemporary art. I feel like it's a challenge when you are a contemporary Native artist because the more or less like people want to buy traditional arts and there's a market for that. When it comes to contemporary, the market's really not there. And I think it's more because um, our schools and the, the government and the state really want to romanticize Native people. And so I feel like that can be a challenge that can be challenging for all different types of art. Even right now, like digital art is, um, is a big thing. And, um, and I feel like the other part of it is getting paid what you're supposed to be getting paid. Um, I know uh, Christy Belcour, I don't know if you're familiar with her artwork. Um, she's Anishinaabe. She was uh, recently commissioned 100K to, uh, to create a piece. It's a beautiful piece that's now at the Minneapolis Institute of Art. And she was commissioned to do that. That's like super rare. And, um, and this piece was about, was a painting about all the animals that are currently extinct. And so I guess uh, for that, I don't really know many Native people, especially Native women, that get commissioned that high of a price. But I do know a lot of successful um, non-Native artists that are totally you know, not used to that, getting paid a, an exuberant amount of money and, um, you know, and, and being asked time and time again to be commissioned to do those types of things instead of it being a one-off. So I guess um, there's a lot of challenges um, being a Native artist, especially in rural communities. I feel like that's kind of where my heart is because I've heard it so many times I've been in the place of being a juror for different applications. And every time I've just heard a rural native artist say that they don't get the recognition or they don't get any sort of attention. It's really um, people that are in urban areas, native artists that are in urban areas that get those opportunities. And so I guess um, that, that can be a challenge in itself because I really feel like when you go into um, the res or other community rural communities you see um, kind of like it kind of changes you know and you really feel like they're they're like hot spots for talent you know and so um, I feel like that's a really big challenge is making sure that they have visibility as well. Absolutely. Uh, I, I live in rural Minnesota now and I think it is amazing and there's so so much talent and it can be, um, it can feel like the cities might under underestimate <laughs> rural areas a little more than probably should. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. We're speaking with Gracie Horn, a Dakota and Lakota multidisciplinary artist who is a storykeeper at Minnesota Native Artists Alliance. Maybe we could talk a bit about how you are as an artist. How do you present your work? 
Well, I would say um, that I am a Dakota, um, I guess, multi-media, mixed-media artist, um, multi-disciplined artist. I'm super proud to say multi-disciplined artist because um, I think in the beginning, the the first thing I ever wanted to do was work with my community and teach. And so that's what I predominantly have been doing is teaching different art mediums. And with that, you like in order to kind of stay relevant and somebody wanting to take your class, you have to learn different ways and different art mediums. And I think for me, it's like, I know how to do zines and I know how to do printmaking. I also paint and do a number of other things. So I think that's kind of like, I feel like a teen when I say I do zines as well, but it's like, because I want to connect with young people and this is what I like taught myself how to do. So yeah, I'm very proud to say that I'm a multidisciplinary artist and I guess, um, but I guess more educationally, I view curation as a forum as art making as well. So I am a curator. I have my background in museum studies. And I think that's where um, this love and passion for working with other artists kind of came from. Um, My first art show ever was like 2009. And I curated my first art show at Augsburg College in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And afterwards, I just kind of said to myself, like, this was a lot of fun. I loved working with the community. And then somebody said, well, that's an actual job. Curation, curating an art show was actually a job. And I quit my free free ride at Augsburg and went to the Institute of American Indian Arts in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and got my degree there. And now I'm here today. So working for MNAA, and I'm still loving working with the community. Great. So Gracie, if an artist hears this and is interested in getting involved or interested in learning more about, you know, how how their work can um, be shared out, what would what would you say? Yeah, you can go to mininativeartists.org to connect to us and and our online catalog. Um, I would first advise to go to there. And currently right now, we just put out a winter giving art catalog. And that's something that is more of a hard copy. I would definitely tell them to sign up for, um, to do our survey and sign up for our online catalog. That hasn't been released just yet. We're still working on this catalog because it's going to be pretty big because it has it's going to have everybody's kind of contact info information but also their websites or whatever else that they want to be contacted in and so I would definitely advise them to go there and then just look out for follow us on Facebook obviously and also follow us on Instagram we like to put out and support different artists and their artwork I think this year or this this last week we we're kind of um, folk are spotlighting um, Dice Dason. Oh, he's a young artist, Dakota artist from Upper Sioux. And so Dason's mother is Avin um, Cavender, who is from Upper Sioux as well. And so um, we also wanted to make sure that people understood that we're not only uh, focusing on adult artists, that we want to support youth arts as well. 
So um, I would say to definitely go to our social media accounts, um, follow those. And the other part of it is that we wanted to make sure that any sort of announcement for fellowships or for jobs or for pretty much our grant opportunities are always there. So if you are looking for um, some uh, funding for your projects to get funded, please follow us on so um, the social media accounts because we're always trying to make connections between artists. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Gracie, for chatting. Is there anything else you'd like yeah. to share? Um, no, I think I covered everything. I'm looking at my notes, I think I covered everything. Oh, just to tune in once a month, we do the Zoom Talks and Tea with um, different Native artists and that this next one is going to be with Angela Two Stars and we're talking about emotional labor. So that should be good. Excellent. Very good. Well, thank you very much for you know sharing and just the work that you do to help support Native artists. Very much appreciate it. Yeah, it was really nice to meet you. Yeah, it's nice to meet you both and thank you for asking us to do this and we're really looking forward to hearing about it and seeing if there if it reaches more artists to get involved. So I'm excited for that part. <laughs> That's the hope. Absolutely. Take care. <laughs> okay, later. later. So yeah, that was great uh, listening you know, or hearing from Gracie and mm-hmm. just you know all these different things she's involved in and you know uh, artists need all the support and you know the recognition they 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 should get and all that stuff. So it's great seeing that work being done. Absolutely. So what what was it again? So um, mini native artists dot org. Yes, right? M N I native artists dot org. Excellent. Yes. Cool. Yeah, it looks like they have some great events coming up. Yeah, I believe we'll have the, some links and stuff like that in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Gracie Horn. Uh, Gracie Horn is a Dakota and Lakota multidisciplinary artist who is a storykeeper at Minnesota Native Artists Alliance. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giga Wabamin. Giga Wabamin. Lights Where Indigenous Voices Shine is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights Where Indigenous Voices Shine wherever you find podcasts and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org.
programming on this station is supported in part by the Minnesota Department of Health. Hello, my name's Tom Frycheck. I decided to get the vaccine because I am a teacher and I wanted to keep my students safe and my co-workers safe. I became aware that two of my co-workers uh, would be unable to get the vaccine due to their own health issues. And I was very aware of the potential for our students, who are a very low-risk population, that if they were infected, they could bring that home to a parent or a grandparent who might be at a higher risk. I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't responsible for any of that. So in addition to all the safety precautions that we took with distance learning, I wanted to make sure that I got vaccinated as soon as possible. COVID vaccines are safe and effective. More information about the COVID vaccines, including how to find a vaccine site near you, is online at vaccineconnector.mn.gov.